Hello, listeners. Hello. You are here with Sherman and Ski, and I'm Sherman. And I'm Ski. And we are here to talk you into it. This is our uh, new little uh, broadcasting experiment uh, where uh, we are going to talk to you about a band that you probably have heard of, you may never have heard of, or you never even liked. And uh, our goal is to talk you into either trying them or giving them another shot. Uh, so that's the premise. Uh, who are we and why do we have the right to do this? Um, we're, we're, uh, we're buddies, uh, from college for 25 years now. Um, and why are we doing this? Ski, t- tell me why I said we're doing this. Why are we doing this? Well, there's one thing that we'd like to, that we've done a lot of over the past 25 years is talk about music and also try to convince the other from time to time to buy a certain album or to convince the other that, no, this band had the greatest debut album of all time. And so this has just been a part of our conversations over the past 25 years. Um, and we even got into it tonight with a buddy, you know, trying to come up with different bands and singers, you know, using the first letter of the alphabet. Um, so Which is a lot harder than you'd think. It's just a lot harder than you think. So this is just a part of our normal conversation every year. And one of the things that I do and generally enjoy doing is try to convince other people that they really should uh, get into a band or a singer, whatever it might be. And more often than not in this relationship, it's Sherman's the one that tells me about new bands he's discovered over the years. I think I can count on one hand where I've been able to trump Sherman and discover, you know, a a latest band or singer uh, that hasn't heard of yet. So uh, we wanted to share this with you all and share, you know, some insight and, you know, some bands that you probably have heard of. We want to turn you on. Uh, to some new music. Um, or and, some old music that you might have missed. Or, and for us, it's like it's two middle-aged guys. It's probably old music that you may have missed for the most part. Although I'm you know, listening to a lot of new bands and new uh, singers um, these days. And so, I mean, we'll get into that maybe in future podcasts as I try to sh- turn Sherman on to somebody that he may not have uh, heard of. And maybe I'll get him this time. So I, I absolutely think there's a really good opportunity for you to do that with me because you, you actually have been pushing the limits in the last few years way more than I have. I've kind of re- not regressed, but I've gone back into catalog. I've gone back into stuff that I hadn't, that I had missed or stuff that I had bought and forgotten. And it's still like sealed up in the cellophane. And then I bust it out and I go, wow, you know, that was a really good idea. Uh, and then of course we have an entire other podcast that we've put together that has to do uh, with our really, really bad ideas. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> right. a phenomenal episode called, why do I have this album? Which was Ski's idea. Um, but on this one, on this one particularly, um, our good friend Micah, who is pseudo-producing this podcast, uh, <laughs> was saying to me while I was visiting with him uh, in Europe recently, and we were just talking about everything, and he was talking about the podcast, and he's like, you know, I love hearing you guys talk about music, and I want you to talk me into something, or tell me what the songs are that, really represent the band to you or if you were like an alien coming from like outer space and you did you'd never even heard music with a with a lowercase m anywhere like what songs would you use to get that alien to jam on it to get involved to like to you know probably just listen to it or stream it probably not purchase it but you never know maybe purchase it maybe buy something um you know maybe buy vinyl so uh, I'd had a couple of drinks over the weekend and I realized that one that was just crystal clear uh, that we should talk about is a kind of maligned band in a way 
or it, it was a critically dismissed band from the from the get go, uh, and that uh, had a lot to do with uh, the rise of MTV and the fact that they were one of the first bands to have a video played on MTV at all. Um, and that kind of drove them to a superstardom right at the dawn of the MTV era. And that band is Duran Duran. And it, it continues to shock me at the lack of support that Duran Duran gets for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ski, your thoughts? Yeah, I think the Hall has sort of, you know, they just want to skip the 80s in a lot of ways. And so, you know, the, the, most of the artists initially, obviously, for the 60s, heavy on the 70s. And I think in recent years, we started seeing a slew of 90 bands jump into it. Um, Green Day, for example, as much as I'm a fan, surprised me that they got in on their first try when there felt like there were a slew of bands from the 80s and even some overlooked from the 70s. I mean, the Doobie Brothers just are just getting in this year. Um, but just in general, I think the Hall just wants to skip the 80s and wants to look a lot of the bands that came out of that era because they were MTV bands and because they got you know, airplay and they got, they sold albums via the video and not on the way that most hall voters at the time discovered music, like on a 45 or on, you know, the AM radio or even in the seventies FM radio. And Duran Duran personifies that kind of band and just looking, getting ready for this, you know, it's just a, this is a chock full of hits that they had. Oh, it's and nothing but hits. It's, it's nothing, but, nothing hits. but hits. And even and they even had like a mid '90s resurgence. You know, after oh, that, a, was, that I, I don't know if we'll get to that. If, if we, we may not. Be, that. They, yeah, but they so they've had like a lot of you know periods of the band, and you know members coming in and out and leaving uh, side bands. You know, one of my favorite things about um, Duran Duran was that they did have these side projects. Uh, in the 80s and one of them is like a bit of favorite of mine and Sherman's over the past few years the power station um, and then Arcadia the other one and as somebody described it to me full disclosure I'm also a massive Kiss fan but he said the Duran Duran side projects were like the 80s equivalent of the Kiss solo albums you know when each member of Kiss did their own solo album but yeah and let's talk about who's in the band let's do that because i think that's super important to to realize so the band uh, got together in the late 70s in birmingham uh england uh and uh the original lineup uh you know is uh the taylor brothers which is guitarist andy taylor drummer roger taylor bassist john taylor i can't wait to talk about john taylor uh keyboardist nick rhodes and lead singer and all-around scamp Simon LeBond. Um, I, I, I lied. None of the Taylors are related. I was about to say, no, I was going to say, none of the Taylors are actually related. <laughs> but somehow they managed to have three Taylors in the band. Insane. It's thing to have so many Taylors, none of them related. And I've lied on this podcast in the first eight minutes. That's yeah. fantastic. That's exactly what I was hoping for. And I hope you are too. Um, all right. So it was my idea to be like, all right, Duran Duran. Now, this is true. The name of the band did come from the classic... Uh, uh, sci-fi sex romp uh, with Jane Fonda in the lead role uh, called Barbarella where uh, the evil villain in Barbarella is a character named Dr. Duran Duran and she says Duran Duran numerous times during the course of the film if I could talk now Jane Fonda is what 78 years old right now she's lived 8 million lives she's like in her early 80s or something like it's absurd this woman like still looks like uh, like the finest of, of vintage wines 
period. Like right now, like literally like Google it, whatever you got to do. It's unbelievable. But in her heyday, like, or like I shouldn't even say in her heyday, she's been in her heyday for like five decades. But in this original film, Barbarella, which is a sci-fi sexploitation classic, Jane Fonda, I mean, you've seen it, right? Scheme. Jane Fonda could not look more phenomenal than she did at that moment. And she does a lot of extreme, this nudity. I mean, like it's, uh, it's crazy. So I just wanted to bring that up in terms of the name of the band is about a classic villain in like Jane Fonda's breakout movie, like in the, from the late sixties, I believe, I believe maybe 69. Um, and one of the songs that we're not going to really talk about uh, was actually named after the movie that Duran Duran pulled their name from. So yeah, no, it's, 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 it feels like a classic eighties band name for that era. And again, I mean, they, they got their appeal. They got their break because MTV exploded. They got their videos on MTV, good looking guys. Um, Very handsome. And so they certainly, I mean, so that's part of the reason why like rock critics at the time. um, And even to this day, probably don't take them seriously because they they were essentially a boy band that played instruments and they were a good looking boy band that played instruments, which is, which is total garbage. You're absolutely right. Ski. You like, because they came through in a two dimensional medium and, and so it came across and the synth thing. Let's talk about the synth thing a little bit. The bias against 80 synth. It it speaks to the stuff that we talk about for our rock and roll hall of fame things all the time. The only ones that are starting to break through and it's only the last couple of years, the cure and Depeche mode. And the only reason I think that they've really already broken through it is that they had that goth element. Both, both of those bands had a kind of a goth element to them and had that kind of fan base. So now the people who are old enough to vote um, yeah. Are, yeah. Know, are kind of gave that credence over someone like Duran Duran right. who, who, who peaked higher and earlier. But the reason for it is exactly what you described, right. is that they were dismissed as right. a boy band who are not related, even though they're all named Taylor. The Cure and Depeche Mode had indie credibility, you know, even at, at, when they were around in the 80s. And that just developed, you know, over the decade. And so each of them had pop hits. But as I remember it, like people that I knew at my age in the early 80s that liked those bands or my sister's friends that liked those bands... It, they were just they're just a bit outside of the mainstream, even though they still had pop hits. And so they still had some indie credibility there, whereas Duran Duran had no bones about it. No, we are one of the biggest acts on MTV and our you well, know, they were the only act. On and MTV our videos first. are going to be in, you know, exotic locales. And so we're going to go after that. And that there's a bias against that band because of that and because they were perceived as a boy band that could play instruments and the hall eventually i think is going to eventually come around because as the voters most of the voters get closer to our age they're going to start taking a look back at some of those bands and like it shouldn't have taken the doobie brothers i'm going to harp on that again because i'm a big fan but it shouldn't have taken that long not about the doobies bro it's not about the doobies but there's that this you know they had a slew of singles (laughs) a slew of hits they should have gotten in earlier anyway so the hall is going to take a look at bands like duran duran from the 80s and more of them are going to get in. But it's interesting because they did skip a decade. So, you know, Pearl Jam has gotten in and Green Day has gotten in from the 90s. Nirvana, obviously. Um, Radiohead. Radiohead. And so they just, I think they skipped the decade in a lot of ways, except for a band 
Um, well, no, U2 started in the 70s, but they came emerged in the 80s. And so U2 is one of those 80s bands that uh, has that credibility that, you know, they came from college radio, they came from indie rock. Um, and so they're, they're in, but other 80s bands are going to have to wait. But I think eventually they're going to come around because if they're going to start letting in the Doobie Brothers from the 70s, they're going to have to take another look at Duran Duran from the 80s. Well, let's talk about the songs that we picked. Let's talk about how we're going to talk you into it. So here we go. Um, the format's going to be here uh, that whoever suggests the band gets to go first, uh, suggest their song, uh, and, and, and we're going to have a, an accompanying Spotify playlist so that you can listen to this uh, after you listen to the podcast and kind of get to know what it is that we think is so awesome and why, the, why this band should be reappreciated, should be um, should be a part of your playlist, should be a part of your just music appreciation society. Uh, it, this is exactly what is exactly what we're going for. So uh, without further ado, Ski, I'm going to announce my first pick, my number one overall pick uh, for Duran Duran. Um, it happens to come from their first record, the self-titled Duran Duran. Uh, and it was not, uh, it was not the first single. Um, I, I'm not even sure well, if, if it became a single right off the bat, but it is also the first track off of their Duran Duran Greatest Hits record. And oh, I find man, you got the most it. <laughs> exemplary, the best example, it's the best example of what a Duran Duran song is. And it is called, Is There Something I Should Know? Oh, good. I thought you were going to say another song. Okay, so yeah. Okay, it, great. I don't have to go to my backups yet, but you, you don't have to go to your backups yet. But you know, you know what? We still got. I know we still got time. time. <laughs> uh, the thing about is there something I should know? Which some people might think is called "Please, please tell me now" because that's the beginning of the chorus. Um, because it's "Please, please tell me now." Is there something I should know? And that, and it has all of the classic elements of every Duran Duran song that follows it over the course of their entire career. Um, it has the great it has the great breaks in it where you only hear a single instrument. It has these weird jungle noises that kind of come into nowhere. That it's a harmonica, but it somehow makes you feel like you're in some exotic place, which is what Duran Duran is excellent at doing. Considering where they're from, I don't know how they keep they kept coming up with this like you know globo sound, right? Mm-hmm. Not globe, not not it's it's not their drums are always big. It's just big beats. loud production like, yeah there is there's a ton of production but also in, in for this particular record this was you know it wasn't produced by it was produced by colin thurston okay uh you know it, it th- this wasn't when they got later when they got together with Nile rogers from chic like this is just their this was just their sound yeah they just had huge drums from a tailor they had huge synth from a tailor and the bass the bass that Andy Taylor drops in this is like underappreciated. If you can crank the bass up, and is there something I should know? And it has that bounce, 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 bounce thing. It's just freaking awesome. If you break down the song into its parts, and then Simon just kind of soars over everything. Well, maybe not soar. Soars might be the wrong word. He just kind of like skims the top of the waves, you know? He's got some range, though, for an 80s pop vocalist. He's got a little range there, so. Absolutely. And so I I strongly believe that if you never heard Duran Duran before and you're wondering, maybe I should like them, you should start 
with this, there's something I should know. It is absolute. It, it, to me, it is the quintessential Duran Duran song. There are other songs that are way bigger hits, and we we may or may not get into them depending on what Ski is bringing to the table. Um, but uh, they just it just it just delivers. It's the perfect length. Um, it just it's a banger. Like for for lack of a better phrase, it is just an absolute banger of a track. You could put it on. It probably has eight million remixes that have been played in eighties clubs and clubs when they were in the 80s and then throwback clubs in the 90s 2000s and whenever uh there's probably a lot of cocaine done to duran duran over the years uh <laughs> you know there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of free love in the in the 80s but man they it's it's a it's a killer track so that's my pick that's my number one pick ski your thoughts on is there something I should? Yeah, I mean, I was worried that you're going to pick another one that I was that I'll get into, but it's interesting because I think there are a lot of different compilations and greatest hits compilations. Duran Duran, um, they have two huge ones, and so right, hits, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I was looking, I was looking at their first album again because I didn't realize. So my introduction to Duran Duran was through, obviously, I mean, I heard the hits growing up in the '80s, um, but I just had Duran Duran Decade, so I had that compilation as you know my Duran Duran album. So I wanted to revisit some of the earlier albums, getting ready for this. And I looked, listened to the first one, and I noticed, is there something I should know on there? And it kind of surprised me, because I thought, wait, I thought that song came later. Um, but looking into it, so it, when the album was originally released, it wasn't on there. But it was subsequently released as a single, became a hit. And so in future pressings of the, the initial album, they put it yeah. on there. Um, but I must have that later pressing. I'm uh, like the... The, the vinyl I'm staring at says 81, but it also has an asterisk next to, is this something I should know? So yeah, I'm sure you're 100% right. But I think that song is a great example of that sound that they had, you know, in that era. And it's it's a sound that covered, you know, really those first five or six years, um, even through up through uh, when they did the, the soundtrack, the title song to A View to a Kill. Um, it's just, that's a classic sound. And I like what you said about the big, drums and big guitars and big keys um and then simon and then all the rest of the, and, and all the rest of the, of the instruments drop out at a various point to give someone it's not even like a solo it's not like it's like right. some kind of like you know epic jazz thing or something like no, that it's, it's like it's a it's, it's a, a pop song yeah everything else drops out and you get like one moment of song and that's so that production i mean uh, yeah it, it just it, it's it's a signature sound yeah no no it's it's undeniable and unmistakable um, so I thought that's a, it's a great pick because I, I do think there are a lot of songs from that first album. Um, you know, well, I mean, we'll get, I want to see what your second song is before I talk about some of the songs that I didn't pick because. Oh, you want me to go twice? Okay. I can do that. I, I was going to let you know. No, I'll go. But I think like, I want to hear like, you know, let yeah, let I'll respond to your second one. And maybe, you know, if some songs that both of us missed, I might explain why, because yeah, there's so many hits here, but I, I went for my first one, I went early too, and I tried to go in a different direction and I tried to avoid some of the more uh, well-known Duran Duran songs, at least initially. Um, so I am going to go back to that initial record as well. And I am going to go to the first song off a of decade. And when, so you talk about like the first song of a great hits compilation, I, I started, started to get nervous. I thought we're going to have the first same one. Um, but I'm going with Planet Earth as my ah! first song. And it's yeah. because it is off of that first album, because it is the classic sound, even though, like I said, that, that sound carried over, I think, to other, uh, all of their probably more recognizable hits. Um, 
But this one, I mean, speaks to like the bridge between like the late seventies and the disco era and mm. into that early eighties, new wave rock. Although as I did some reading on this, you know, also the new romantics, I keep forgetting that they get lumped into the so-called new romantic uh, genre with uh, like Spandau Ballet. So, but they had, so they had the, the disco beat. I mean, you look, this is the planet earth. It's that driving disco baseline, you know, with the drums. Um, that's undeniable. I mean, that, that got a bit of Donna summer going on in, in the very, very, very much. So. And so, okay, that's instantly recognizable, but they throw the synths on top of that are undeniably from the early eighties and the guitars add another layer to that. Um, and so heavy guitars, it, well, in, in, in sort of a new wave sense, I suppose, but add to the, the synth guitar rock sound to that disco um, rhythm section, um, you know, just it produces a huge pop hit. And the songwriting is also, I think, overlooked with Duran Duran. And Planet Earth, for me, is an example of how they just wrote great hits. Um, and so the music itself, the production itself is great. Um, but clearly these were guys that were skilled songwriters that knew what they wanted to get out of a song. And Planet Earth is a great early example of that, that bridged the gap from the 70s into the 80s, um, and then foretold what was coming afterwards in their next few albums where you had the bigger, you know, more recognizable hits uh, from Duran Duran. But it, and they had that catch, that's that catchy melody as the chorus, like ba, ba, exactly, da, 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 da. and it builds and it builds and it and it, it's one of those tracks that is great for a dance floor, also. Yeah, like that's another. It's another. That, what I like about what you're bringing up with the disco bridge, which I think is a brilliant, brilliant observation, is that you can you can really see it being a, 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 the first single off the record, so that it can, gets played at the clubs, right? Yeah, because. That's that's part of like what made Duran Duran. It's why they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is because they're too clubby to some extent, yeah. right? They're too thin or too shallow, which is weird because the production, like we're talking about, is so big beats. Um, you know, Nick Nick Rhodes, uh, the keyboardist. You know, he and like you were talking about this before. They they had so many different side projects. I just I'm just reading now. He wrote Too Shy, which was for Kajagugu, yeah. the one hit one Kajagugu. I I didn't even know that. You know, and and here he is, like the, the the keyboardist for Duran Duran. You know, doing Planet Earth and doing Is There Something I Should Know, and then a, a, a song I'm not picking from this. Uh, well, did you pick another song for this record as your second pick? I don't. No, mine came later. But uh, one last point on yeah, the bridge ahead. idea is that like it's like they they took out they took out the the, the strings and the horns from '70s disco and then layered it with synths and rock guitar. And I love that sound. And it's, it turned off a lot of people. Um, it, like adding the guitars and it was certainly what wasn't enough to bring around, you know, the more traditional rock uh, critics, you know, that fell in love with bands in the fifties, sixties and seventies. Um, but it, it diversified their sound and it made it a signature sound of that era and of that MTV era. Um, so taking out the strings, taking out the horns and you had just synths, a layer of synths layer of uh, rock guitars and they thought it was bullshit and, and they, like any re regular rock critic and especially when we get to some of this other stuff that you know you were both going to dig into you think about the lesser bangs of the world that would like only want to listen to rock and roll uh in the future chuck klosterman's that you know disrespect even just piano in lots of ways when they when they start to review and and our rock critics the last band before 
like the, the last band that anyone cared about that had organs and that was the goddamn doors for goodness sake, you know, like, 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 it, like you, you take that sound or that, I mean, Billy Joel is always ignored, right? Like Elton John is the only one who got like any credit for playing the piano at a certain point. Like they just, they never liked that. They always like you, you bring in the, the George Martin, uh, strings for the Beatles, right? Or, or the Rolling Stones. And that's genius, right? Like that's just pure genius to bring in the strings and to bring in like a kid's choir and like all of that stuff. But you can't bring in synth. I mean, yeah. if you look back at, if you look back at the attitudes of the time, you know, it's, it's reminiscent of, uh, I, I, it's just bias. Yeah. It's just a ridiculous anti-synth bias. And I won't stand for it anymore. I won't. No, I know they, they, they belong in the hall and it's, yeah, somehow, an electric piano is phony and that sound created is phony. And even in it's a percussion. Instrument. And even when they like the nineties, they just think it was perfect. It, That's all right. Perfect. Right. But even like in the nineties, there are bands like rage against the machine comes to mind where they made it very clear on their albums. This album was recorded using bass drums and guitar. And that's it because goodness, if you add synths to it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's less pure. Um, and I'm a huge Rage fan, so don't get me, don't get me wrong, the, fellas. And the, next time that synth came, and the next time that synth came back was The Killers. I will argue that is 03. The Killers and a little bit of Fran Ferdinand, Franz Ferdinand getting in there. Like, that was the, the most, that's the only time that there was a little bit of, like, a boomlet where maybe there was, like, some kind of throwbacks yeah. to that and, like, incorporating that pop sheen of synth. You know, yep. um, you know, listening to old Madonna records. I mean, you know, Madonna, Madonna's first album is such a banger. I was just listening to it on vinyl this week. Like it is, it is terrific. The, the, the sound quality uh, and the scope of the sound. I mean, like that was, I mean, it, it, that was what? 82? 82. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, yeah. so 82 is right in this Duran Duran wheelhouse. Where we get to their second album, which is uh, which was huge, which I'm going to skip right by. I'm going to skip by Rio. I'm not going to skip right over that <laughs> and go to another song that is, quite frankly, just. My, I mean, it's it's not my favorite Duran Duran song, but it is the, is the second most exemplary Duran Duran song where you could say, okay, this is what this band sounds like. And you mentioned it earlier, and it's A View to a Kill. Yeah, love it. View, love that a pick. View, a View to a Kill is, is, has the same like breakouts, and it has that same big beat that winds up, again, hey, it's a Taylor, winds up at the power station, you know, with these like huge drums that you feel and then you've got that guitar that like cuts through it, it, it like it's it's almost like someone's throwing like a, a uh a, like a ninja knife or something you know uh what a, 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 not a nunchuck what is it uh, the chinese star right like that thing it's like cutting right through the track where it's like you hear that like this that big that big synth like meow and then you have the fake horns that come in that blare that make you know that this is a James Bond theme and that's all there is. Like, like, like what a perfect, perfect band to, to create a James Bond theme for the eighties. Right. Like it's just the quintessential 80s sound. Um, it has that, but that ridiculous, like slinky, like 
Simon LeBond thing, and it has that funk. Let's not forget the funk. I briefly mentioned now Rogers before how he produces some later, some later Duran Duran, not of you to a kill, but 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 the Notorious record and 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 uh, Big Thing, which are two of the later '80s records. But that's not Rogers. That's chic. That's funk. That's 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 what that is. That funk is what goes into the disco that goes into your planet earth reference. It's all there. It's all there in a through line that you just realize that like, again, it's Andy Taylor's bass, man. Like it's just bumping. And then when you get to that chorus, I mean, first of all, it's slinky. Simon does a really sexy job with it, um, with the vocals on this track. And then yeah, talk about range. Gets, yeah. And then, oh God, it's great. And then when he gets to dance into the fire and he hits those high notes that I'm not going to sing because I don't want to ruin it for people who listen to this on Spotify. <laughs> but like, but like it, it, it just keeps, it just keeps building and building up. And we, and people forget about song structure. My wife talks about it all the time. How people forget to write a bridge anymore, you know. But like the song structure here in View to a Kill is. It is just, it's perfect, Duran Duran. It, it, to me, it is, and there's so much to choose from, and you can't go wrong with, there's like 25 Duran Duran songs you're not going to go wrong with minimum. But View to a Kill is, is and it's not, it, you know, and it's on the Greatest Hits record because it wasn't on an actual album. Right. Um, it, you know, because it, it was the theme to, I mean, technically the live version is on Arena. I don't know. I, I, I'm never, I'm never just sold on like, okay, well, it's on a live record, therefore it was on a record. You know, I don't think that that usually doesn't work out. Um, but man, the original View to a Kill, number one. Uh, I don't think it was a number one hit, but uh, in the U.S., I think it was number one in the U.K. Um, but it's, I think it's, it, it might even be more quintessential than is there something I should know? But I think the double barrel of that, you know, and and again, it doesn't it doesn't really go ballad either. Like there's those slow moments where they kind of like build up to things in view to a kill so that it's not just like a pure, like pop single with a recurring, uh, with a recurring melody, you know, like it does, it does tell a story as it goes along. Um, and again, bond theme, mid eighties, Duran Duran set match. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great pick. I love that pick because it's funny if we had to, what were like, Duran Duran fanatics called. Did they have? Were they Duran Duran heads? They were Duran. Duranies. Okay, so if we had a Duranny on here, um, that almost sounds like a slur. I want to be careful there. No. So, <laughs> it, if we had, it's not. If we had it's a Duranny on here, I bet you a View to a Kill would not be in their top twenty. And it, it's Ooh. because I think like, but for me it is like I love your pick, and I would put it in my top five um, because. If you want, like, if this if this podcast is about we're trying to convince you to fall in love with a band or start listening to a band, A View to a Kill is the perfect summation of a Duran Duran song and the Duran Duran sound. And the James Bond people said, we want that. So we want that sound. We want it for, you know, the title song for this new uh, James Bond film. Give us that. And so for a Duran, it might sound like, ah, they, you know, they, they just gave them what they wanted. They just gave them the elements, you know, the... The, the standard Duran Duran elements. But as a non-Durani, I think it's, it sounds awesome. And if you want to convince somebody, this is the Duran Duran sound, and this is why you should like it, that's a perfect song for it. Because... And if they don't like, and if they don't like it, like, like everything is in there, right? Everything's everything in, there. in there. If you, if you wind up not liking it, 
Well, you know. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, how am I going to convince you? Yeah, if I can't convince you with a view to a kill, I don't know if I'm going to convince you. Because it has yeah, everything. Might, it has everything. Yeah, you might just be done. You might be done. But you have a pick. Let's hear it. So the second song for me is one that a Durani might pick. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it does fall in that category. But I did want to, I, I, I consciously wanted to skip over Rio as well. I wanted to stay away from that, even though you could make a strong case. Like if you're trying to convince someone to fall in love Duran Duran, Hungry Like a Wolf, or the title track, Rio. I mean, those are Hungry Like a Wolf and Rio are probably the two Duran Duran songs that you hear the most on quote unquote 80s radio. Um, Absolutely. But the one that I went is The Reflex. And it comes uh, yes! from yes! Seven and the Ragged Tiger. Yes, um, from Seven and the Ragged Tiger. Which Tiger, my sister brought home on cassette tape, which at our last record fair I picked up on vinyl. Um, but I love this song. It sounds great. Doesn't it sound great? I'm well, it's, it's right. funny because so when I, when, I, when I brought it home and started listening to it, and I listened to the album track. I've never listened to the album track of The Reflex. Um, it's, the intro is different. And I couldn't put my finger oh, yeah. on it. I was like, this is, no, this is not what I remember from seeing the video a million times on MTV or on listening to it on Decade. But it, so the, the record version doesn't have that at the beginning, you know, the reflex, 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 reflex. It doesn't have any of that. Boom. And it, it, just, it, it has an extended you know, instrumental um, of the, yeah. the, the sound of the song. And so that threw me off at first. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out like, how did I have this wrong? How did I have this wrong in my head for all these years that this was actually how the reflex went? Well, the, the single version is the one um, that had that uh, different intro. The one, the intro that probably, you know, most um, people that have heard the reflex know and, and, and I at least fell in love with. Um, the album version is one minute and four seconds longer than the single. So, yeah, that extended. Yeah. And, and so it takes a while when you listen to it on the album, it takes a while to get into it. And you don't have the girls going, you know, we, you don't have that. Um, so I but so that it that threw me off at first. But no, I mean, to me, that like that's again, it, it has a quintessential Duran Duran sound. Um, and I love the fact that in the video itself, I'm going to break away from the song. So I'll get to the video that. They'd, they'd done all these videos in exotic locales, Bali, Indonesia, uh, elsewhere. And for the reflex, they're like, no, we, we got to do <clears throat> a performance video. We got to do a stage video to prove that, you know, we're a band that, you know, can play our instruments and we can still rock out. Um, right, that you're not a two-dimensional band. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. But it has that, it still has that same rock sound. It still has um, that, that catchy 80s arena chorus um, and the in this, you know, the lyrics that in, in the one hand just make no sense whatsoever. Um, I still to this day <laughs> do not understand why the reflex is a lonely child, you know, but it's, but it's catchy. It's, it's arena rock, arena pop rock from the eighties. Um, and it's, it's another example of why they are dismissed because it just has that big arena sound and critics of that era, you know, didn't like corp this quote unquote corporate rock of the seventies. Um, sort of the, the sticks uh, bank type bands, uh, Ario Speedwagons that dipped into then to the eighties, um, and they certainly didn't like Duran Duran that had that booming arena rock with synths on top of it. So, but it, it says everything about Duran Duran. It's a perfect song from that era, and it kept so much of what they're about. You know something we're missing. We're, I agree with you a zillion percent. Um, uh, you know, 
I wrote that when I was writing down what songs I was going to do for this. The first song I wrote down is there's something I should know. Second song I wrote down was the reflex. Yeah. So like we're right on the same page in terms of, in terms of what, what we're into here. Um, something that we should point out is that most of the rock critics yeah. were male in the sure. 80s. Great point. There's nothing. And most of the fans of, and most of the fans of Duran Duran yeah. were teenage girls. At, at that time, I mean, or or preteen, because they were the ones who were on MTV. So you saw handsome British boys prancing around, and they didn't really think about that there was like half naked women in girls <laughs> on film, like you know, topless on the beach, like hanging out, right? Like you're, you're nine years old, you're, you know, like you're you're just you're bopping to the beat anyway if you're paying attention to anything else at all. So I just want to say that there could have been there could have been a lot of you know, there's a lot of nerdy guys that turned into rock critics that could have been jealous. There could have, there could have been, you know, they could have just not gotten it. Or it could just be the same. There are a lot of different things going on there. Thing. Yeah, for oh. sure. It's, it's why, like, and look, I love the early Def Leppard albums, but there are some Def Leppard fans to dismiss Hysteria because it had, uh, well, the title track, because it had Love Bites. Um, the, and the production, it was just production. like this big, you know, arena rock production and less on the metal guitars. Um, so yeah, I know. I, I think that's a, that's a great point that so many of the rock critics were, were men. I, I will go, I will go a step, I will go a step in, in a different direction with Def Leppard because versus Duran Duran, especially these early Duran Duran records, these early Duran Duran records are clean. Yeah. The, the sound is clean. You, you can hear individual, um, you can hear all of the individual instruments as they come in and out. Uh, now granted there's obviously someone pulling the levers in terms of raising the, you know, cutting out certain tracks and bringing them back up and that's product that's production but that's a different kind of production than what you're talking about with hysteria because hysteria is a, a yeah. layered production value where there's kind of sound on top of sound on sound that was more like a wall of sound phil specter shit going it's on the most mutt langy sounding so, albums they have yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah right exactly um i mean he made his bones off of the def leopard stuff but like you know mutt lang is nowhere near a record like this like these these early duran duran records which are very very clean um um but i i love the picks man i love them i think this is great i, I did not have planet earth on my short list but i encourage you to review I, i'm assuming you had a couple of other tracks that were on your short list uh what what were they that did that almost made it that'll be on the spotify yeah no i i tried to like i said i tried to avoid rio and hungry like a wolf because i thought you know those have just been done um and well they're just more well known so i want to turn people on to new moon on monday i want to turn people on to union of the snake i mean those are the songs that you know yes! just i don't know like i, mean, <laughs> I had both of those right i mean and there's the yeah notorious even you know um that's, that's also so, <laughs> so yeah like i just like i guess i'm avoiding the whole real album altogether but if i saw rio on vinyl i'd pick it up immediately uh i, I there's no oh, question oh about that. I, I, so those are the no two point. of the other ones. So I guess Seven and the Ragged Tiger uh, in general. And I'm just also just pulled up my sister's cassette tape. And we should do a podcast. We should find a way to play cassette tapes and do a podcast on when was the last time this album played and what song was it playing when I, my sister and I no longer listen to it. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's around, you know, New Moon on Monday. So we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah. Well, I love that. I love New Moon on Monday. That was on my short list. That comes right after the Reflex on Seven and the Ragged Tiger, which I just uh, I just unearthed uh, uh, a couple days ago. Uh, the album is is about this, the five band members 
and their two managers are the seven. And success Goodness. is the Ragged Tiger. And they were chasing. Wait, you the look at the, the album cover too. And you're like, huh, I wonder why rock critics, male rock critics of that era, or most men didn't like them. I mean, look at them on the cover. I mean, you have to take a look at it. <laughs> yeah. True. So, I'm like, right huh. at it. <laughs> I wonder what decade these guys were from. And uh, why didn't the men like them anyway? So, and why did the girls like them? <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know if you've seen the Killers in concert or not, but I remember when the Killers came out. Like they were in the first time I saw the Killers in '03. I mean, they came out in suits. Like the, I mean, they came out in suits and then they yeah. rocked your faces off. So you know, like that, like it, it, it did eventually come back in at least a small format. Uh, that type of sound. I mean, Interpol played in suits. Um, just throwing it out there. The only other one um, that I didn't have that you haven't brought up. I, first of all, Union of the Snake is my favorite Duran Duran song. Uh, me not picking it will be a mild uproar for a, a select few. Um, uh, I, I think Girls on Film is... Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Girls on Film was another one that I had, yeah. It, it, is, it is almost... I mean, again, that's from the first record, from the first Duran Duran record. I mean, that is... Uh, it unbelievable um you know again in reading about it i found out that the video was never meant to be played on mtv it was actually designed for playboy clubs back in the day in the early 80s when they had those uh so which explains honestly uh, the nudity before it was edited out uh and a lot of the whole they were they were planning on being played in that in that type of environment that kind of ultra lounge of the early 80s so anyway but girls on film i mean is a is an unbelievable track um which is a tone setter too and then you know and you you already mentioned we talked about rio um you mentioned new moon on monday which i adore and notorious which i think is a little underappreciated um yeah it's a great big beat now rogers did that i know i was just i was thinking that too yeah from the wedding album the wedding album is their 1993 comeback album uh, it, it, it's this beautiful, it, it's a beautiful, lush, overdone thing. This was during the period where, uh, Warren, uh, uh, Warren, yeah, missing uh, persons, guitars, yeah. His name is. Uh, it, yeah, missing persons. I didn't know yeah. that until this uh, podcast. Uh, like, uh, so they, um, that he wrote that song. Um, and that yeah. song is sexy. I mean, it's, and Simon, Simon crushes it. Um, you know, there's less Taylors, more Warren. It's still a killer. It's a it, that's a phenomenal record. Uh, the, the the wedding album is there is, is at least brought them back into relevance big time. It doesn't the, define uh, the sound, but 90s. even "Ordinary World" is a great pop hit from that era, and it just gave them a little bit more, yeah, steam, and they could continue into the '90s and build it up for where they are now. Where, yeah, I mean, they can hit the nostalgic circuit and they'll sell out, you know, Capital One Arena in DC, and so they can still you know, put on a show and sell out everything and um, still do the hits, but they needed that bridge in the nineties because they fell off at the end of the eighties. And, you know, they had a couple albums that just went nowhere and they didn't, they, they did an unfortunate yeah, cover thing. album uh, called thank you, which I mean, they covered nine one one as a joke and I, I don't know who advised them to do that. Oh, <laughs> so, and white and white lines, you know, Crap. speaking of, you know, people doing cocaine to Duran Duran, they covered white lines. Uh, on that album, so white lines, but white lines <laughs> tracks. Uh, one, one is a joke. Yeah. Oh, so, God. God, God, I mean, we've been pumping Duran Duran up this whole podcast. Let's bring them down just a little bit. They made a couple of errors. 
still uh great stuff um so take a listen thanks for listening to the podcast take a listen to the uh, to the spotify playlist we'll put it together thank you for listening to sherman and ski we'll talk you into take it. care guys we'll see you next time